0: our passage is proverbs 3 and we're going to look at verses 5 to 12 starting in verse is 5 and 6 which is a familiar passage for good reason and it says this trust in the lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths now i imagine many of us would agree that trust is one of those things that is hard sometimes uh, it's hard because we have broken people's trust and people have broken ours. This sad reality at times leaves us with a lack of trust in our relationships. But understand, this lack of trust should not be carried over into our relationship with the Lord. For he has and always will be steadfast in love and faithful to his people. Ephesians 2, 1-7 But here is who we are in Christ. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might, not, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, And so this means that the one who has created us and all things, this is who we're talking about today, despite the fact that we have fallen short of his glory in our sin, listening to Satan rather than him, which made us dead in our trespasses under his wrath, he still came for us by grace in the person of Jesus, who lived a perfect life on our behalf, died a sinner's death in our place and rose again. So that through faith in him, we could be reconciled to God both now and forever. Furthermore, this is why Jesus, who has ascended on high, is currently working all things together for the good of those who love him. Which includes interceding for us and preparing a place for us. And as he does so, he's never going to leave us or forsake us. For he will certainly finish the good work he started in us. For he has promised to do so And it's impossible for him to lie. This is who we're talking about trusting in today. The living God. And there is no other. And so with that framework, let us do so unwaveringly with all of our heart. No matter how much it doesn't make sense. He is still who he is. He is God and he is good. Let's trust him unwaveringly as we look at the gospel, starting with our anxieties about anything and everything. Uh, Whether it's the fear of man, whether it's the future, family, finances, friendships, health, suffering, or whatever. Let us unwaveringly trust in the Lord for he is faithful. And we know that's true because of Christ Jesus. Another familiar passage gives us some context here. Uh, and it says in Philippians 4, 6 to 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does this mean? It means that the path to peace regarding anything and everything is found in prayer with supplication and thanksgiving to the Lord. This will also help us have the right perspective to make good and godly decisions unto the glory of God. This doesn't mean God will always answer our prayers the way we want Him to, or that we will always have a better understanding as to why things are the way they are after we pray. It does mean, though, that as we daily pray, and it is a daily activity for the Lord's supply with all thankfulness, especially for His gospel. Submitting to his will, as noted in Matthew, his peace, which surpasses understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, which again will allow us to have the right perspective to make good and godly decisions unto the glory of Christ, our living and eternal hope. And so let's trust him. Let's trust him in this way, right? Praying every day, not leaning on our own understanding, but acknowledging him. And he will direct our paths. And that includes the path of peace and perspective to make good and godly decisions. Secondly, let us trust in the Lord's wisdom rather than our own. That is when it contradicts his. Proverbs 3, 7 to 8 says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Proverbs 28, 26 says it this way. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. This means thinking our way is better than God's and acting upon it is utter foolishness. This is like following a kid's medical advice just because they dress up and play doctor rather than your doctors, right? Your actual doctor's. And I'm not trying to be sensitive. This is also like real life scenario, building a submarine, ignoring all expert advice about how to build the submarine and then taking it to the bottom of the ocean. Not good, right? Uh, that really happened. I'm sure none of you have heard about that. Well, this is, again, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but all, in all seriousness about the foolishness of when we think our way is better than God's and that that is what will really lead to us flourishing. Romans 1, 21 to 22 says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Why? Well, 1 Corinthians 1, 25 tells us the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now this doesn't mean God is weak or foolish. This is hyperbole to help us understand the foolishness of thinking we are more wise than him who created us and all things. And so when it comes to being wise in our own eyes, when our wisdom contradicts the Lord's, let us not be so foolish. Right? First and foremost, let us not in our own wisdom Justify not worshiping God who created all things in spirit and truth through faith in Jesus, who proved his deity by living a sinless and miraculous life, dying a sinner's death, and then rising from the grave. Let us not be so foolish to reject such a great salvation. There is salvation in no other name, Scripture tells us, but the name of Jesus. And so if we haven't let us lay down our own wisdom and come to him in faith who is the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ. For that is how God reconciles man to himself. Furthermore, let's not only come to him for salvation, let's also come to him for sanctified living, for the glory of his wisdom, which makes humanity flourish. This is the same wisdom that has saved our souls, which means it's the same wisdom that is good for our souls for all of life, not just eternity. And so we're not to walk in our own wisdom as Christ followers just because he has saved us. Like, this means we're not to indulge and justify in things that he says is unwise. Things like what we've talked about in previous weeks in Proverbs, such as being a sluggard. Uh, No, that's always not good. Uh, Having haughty eyes, always not good, unwise. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plants, feet that make haste to run to evil, bearing false witness, breathing out lies, sowing discord among brothers, adultery, unwise speech. These things, no matter our own wisdom and our own justification are always sinful and unwise, and therefore will always lead to some form of death, even in the Christian life. And so to think that we will be the only human in history to outsmart God in regards to what is best for human flourishing is foolishness. Now don't get me wrong, sinful things might feel good, but that doesn't mean they are good. For that which feels good might be the very thing that is killing us ever so slyly and slowly. James 1, 15 to twenty or to 17 says, "'Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, "'and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. "'Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers.'" Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This means that there is nothing truly good apart from God, the father of lights, giving it. Nothing. And so again, let us not be deceived, beloved, as James says, into trusting in our own wisdom when it says otherwise. For being wise in our own eyes is not the path to life, but death. Isaiah 5:20 20 to 21 says, "Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight." And so when our hearts or our heads think we know better than the Lord, let us put off that foolishness. And what? Fear the Lord hate evil and turn away from it speaking of fearing the lord there's more to it as was discussed early in our proverb series but for today understand that proverbs eight thirteen says the fear of the lord is hatred of evil it's that simple meaning the path to healing and refreshment for our spiritual man and physical when applicable is to hate what god calls evil And in contrast, to love what he loves, which is righteousness and justice, as Psalm 33, 5 says. Another medical illustration for you, if you will. Imagine somebody going to the doctor and the doctor saying, listen, this, this, and this is killing you. And so what you actually need to do is turn away from that and do this, this, and this other thing. And and that'll make you healthy. Now imagine not listening like most of us Americans do, right? It's foolishness. And, and that's the idea here. Jesus is the great physician, the wisdom from God, not only that saves our souls, but makes our souls flourish. And so to not listen to him and think, no, my way's better. The sins that I love is actually what is going to make me flourish and, and, and the distractions, that is unwise, Because those things will bog us down. They're not healthy for us. And more importantly, they're not honoring to the Lord. And so he says, hey, hate evil, turn away from it and turn to righteousness. For example, it's not just, hey, don't be lazy. It's, hey, hate that and love being diligent. And you have to start somewhere, right? You're not gonna be a rock star overnight. These things build up. He says, hey, listen, don't be adulterous. Instead, love your spouse day by day, a little at a time, to the point where it's not hard for you anymore, right? Um, Stop telling lies and start telling the truth. It's not just don't do this. It's get rid of that and do this in trust of the Lord. Why? Because he's a killjoy? No, but because he made us and knows what is truly best for us unto his glory. And so again, let's trust him by hating evil daily, not people, but evil, right? Not trusting evil, but trusting the Lord, not flirting with it, not entertaining it, or trying to justify it in our own wisdom. Let's turn from it to righteousness and justice for the glory of Christ's wisdom, for it will be what? Healing and refreshment for our spiritual man and maybe even our physical if we haven't taken that too far already, right? Uh, And so Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Our own wisdom is a trap. It's a snare. Proverbs 22, 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. And so again, let's fear the Lord turn away from evil let's hate it and turn away from it to righteousness it'll be healing now with that said understand it'll also be hard because uh trusting the lord there's there's paradox in in the christian life doesn't always lead to blessing in the sense in the moment there's oftentimes suffering first there's suffering that comes with falling uh, following the lord meaning that we can't escape suffering in a fallen world we either suffer for good at times, or far worse, we suffer for evil. Now understand, this is what 1 Peter 3, 17 says. It's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. This verse is not meant to discourage us, but rather point us to another verse, 1 Peter five ten, to encourage us. It says, after you've suffered a little while, for good that is, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. Romans eight eighteen also says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. This means we do not suffer without hope as Christians as the world suffers. No, our hope is Jesus and he is a present help in a time of trouble. And so again, let's not waver in our own wisdom when trusting him leads to suffering. No, let us remain steadfast unto his glory because again, it's better to suffer for doing good than for evil. And not to mention Proverbs twenty-three, eighteen: surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off because our hope is Jesus and he's alive and active forevermore. Thirdly, let's, Trust the Lord with our wealth and the firstfruits of our produce. Proverbs 3, 9-10 to says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the firstfruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Proverbs 11, 24-25 goes on to say, One gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Now these texts aren't preaching a prosperity gospel in the sense of give a thousand and get two thousand back. Now don't get me wrong, Israel at certain points did have some promises like this from God, but understand we are under the new covenant in Christ's blood, in which Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than receive. And don't store up treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. Now, does God bless financially? Yes. Does God give back? Absolutely. Does God reward in return? For sure. But to interpret these Proverbs to mean that he will always give us more monetarily than we give him would be a misunderstanding of these scriptures. What we can take away from it though, is that we will surely live richer lives when we honor the Lord with our wealth and produce, even if it means we have less of it. And so we're not to trust in our heart or lean on our own understanding, which often says God owes you. And until he gives to you, you're not given to him or we're not to lean on our understanding that says store up as much as you can and give as little as possible If anything. That's the path to true riches. No, this doesn't honor the Lord and therefore will always lead to poverty even if our bank account is full. And so let's not be so foolish, but rather give cheerfully to honor the Lord with our wealth and the first fruits, not leftovers of our produce. Giving to the poor in his name, Giving to his mission through the local and global church and giving to our brothers and sisters in need even if we get nothing financially in return. For understand, if God never gave us one more earthly reward or blessing, he is still good. For he has given us himself in Christ, which is greater than any earthly riches we could ever receive. For he is forever unlike the world and its riches which are passing away. 1 John 2, 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, including the desires of riches and everything that they can give us. But whoever does the will of God, that is, whoever believes in Jesus, abides forever, including the fruit they bear as it has eternal rewards with it. Which is again why Jesus says in Matthew six nineteen to 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This doesn't mean we can't have savings. This doesn't mean that we can't have houses. It does mean, though, that when our hearts are fully trusting in Jesus, who has given us eternal riches, we will inevitably store up treasures in heaven, not by hoarding all of our wealth, which we can't take with us in our produce, but rather by honoring him with it. And so for his glory, in trust of him, it's not going to make sense, but let's for his glory and in light of the glorious riches that we have in Christ, as a display of those glorious riches and trust in him, let us again honor the Lord with our wealth and the first fruits of our produce. Again, giving to the poor, giving to the mission and the local and global church and to those in need, especially our brothers and sisters. Scripture tells us, this is Here's the truth, whether we like it or not, that is the path to true bounty. Our wisdom says, nah, man. But God says, yeah, man, (laughs) that's the path to true bounty. And so let's not be foolish. Let's trust the Lord by honoring him with our wealth. Lastly, let us trust in the Lord's correction as compassion rather than our heart's condemnation. Proverbs 3, 11 to 12 says, my son, Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. This means the Lord's correction comes from a place of compassion rather than condemnation. 1 John 3.20 says, For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything including the fact that no one can snatch those who are eternally his out of his hand. Nevertheless, maybe sometimes even right now, your heart condemns you because you know you don't always trust the Lord. I'm guilty as well. You know, you don't always trust his wisdom over your own. You know, you don't always trust him with your wealth and the first fruits of it. And so your heart sometimes condemns you, maybe even now. But understand, we are not to trust in our heart's condemnation. We're to trust in the Lord's compassion. For condemnation is not from him if you're in Christ. Romans 8, 1-4 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. From the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Simply this means Christ was condemned for us. And through faith in him, the righteous requirement of God's law. Because he is a judge, which is perfection, for he is light and in him is no darkness at all. This righteous requirement of his law has been fulfilled through faith in Christ, who kept the law for us and then was condemned for us. Furthermore, this means that when we fail and he corrects us, which often simply comes through the reproof of his word, We don't have to despise his reproof like we all despised our parents' reproof as kids or condemn ourselves, like hate ourselves. I just can't get it right. Remember remember ever feeling that way as a kid? It was probably more just feeling sorry for yourself. But we don't have to despise his reproof or condemn ourselves because he's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to help us share in his holiness, which is to make us healthy and the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto his glory. Again, this is like, A loving parent, a loving parent. And no parent is perfect. But when we're going good, we discipline from a place of not I'm annoyed and I'm just going to just let my annoyance out. It's from a place of I love you and I want what's best for you. And so I'm going to, even though I don't want to, discipline you because you're so darn cute, right? Well, this is God. This is God. Hebrews 12 talks about this in verse Five to 13 but we're just going to look at verse 10 to 13 mind you he's a way better father he's a perfect heavenly father he's not like us or our fathers he's perfect verse 10 to 13 they disciplined us for a short time speaking of our earthly parents as it seemed best to them but he disciplines us for our good it's never out of annoyance always for our good that we may share his holiness for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, what? Lift your drooping hands. Have you failed? Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet. Repent so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. See, he loves us, it says. He does it for our good it's not from a place of condemnation it is always only from a place of compassion for we are his children through faith in Christ who again was condemned for us fulfilled the law for us this doesn't mean there aren't earthly consequences for our actions it does mean there is compassion from our heavenly father even so so when we fail and we feel it in the form of godly sorrow which might cut but never condemns Let's not despise his correction or trust in our heart's condemnation. Instead, let us trust in the Lord's compassion in light of the gospel, acknowledging it as such by quickly confessing and forsaking our sin in all confidence of his eternal commitment and compassion to us in Christ. For again, he has set us free. Proverbs 8, 28 to 13 says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. That's, that's not the path to prospering, hiding out in the closet, hoping your dad doesn't spank you. I'm not talking about my childhood, but that's not the path to life. The path is owning it and confessing it and forsaking it. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because Jesus paid it all. And so again, let's trust the Lord by trusting that his correction is from a place of compassion, not condemnation, and rest in his love as we regularly confess and forsake our sin. This is the path of trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts that leads to sharing in the Lord's holiness, which is for our healthiness and the peaceful fruit of righteousness to the praise of his glorious grace in Christ. And so whether it's our anxieties, whether it's our own wisdom, whether it's our riches, whether it's our failures, the condemnation, let's trust the Lord. He's good and faithful even when we are not.